We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Sup? Yeah, <clears throat> good to see you today. Good to see you. Good to see all of you out there, or possibly if you're listening, glad you're joining us on the podcast. What's your favorite number, Jed, and why do you like that number? I am one of those weird guys who likes 13 because it was so taboo. Because the, the 13th floor, they skip yeah. it and all that stuff. Yeah, that was always crazy to me. So I was like, I like mm. 13. It's just a fun, odd mm. number. You are odd. That's true. Uh, yeah, you know, there we go. There so you go. That that does pertain to today's question. Yeah. Because someone wrote in and asked, what is the importance of numbers, not the book of numbers necessarily, but like actual 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 numbers in the Bible? And so I guess first thing, is this like a numerology question of we're searching for hidden meanings and, you know, when... Numerology can be weird and go all over the place. Okay. But as I've read the Bible, I think numbers in the Bible find their significance from context okay. and Bible story, not just that a number automatically everywhere has this significance, mm. but... So we're not talking adding up the letter, the numbers and letters in a word and trying to combine mm. to form some strange background thing. No. We're talking about like there were 12 apostles and there were 12 yeah. tribes and that sort of idea. But we have to start with one is the loneliest number. Okay. okay yeah. so, <laughs> so, you know, one is a big number in the Bible. Okay. But only because of certain context. There is one God. Mm. You know, uh, in John 17, you know, in verse 20, Jesus was praying for his apostles. And then he says, neither do I pray just for these alone, but also for the, all those who would believe on me through their word. And what does verse 21 say? It says in all, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, Jesus prayed that his people might be one. Now, there's not some weird significance to that, except mm -hmm. everybody should be together. Everybody should be on the same mm -hmm. page. <clears throat> there is one body, Ephesians 4, 4, right. and one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, Mm -hmm. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So, so, so it's like a singularness. Yeah, to well, this whole it's thing. it's just that in those passages, there's a clear contextual significance to the word one. Mm. Ephesians two sixteen, God reconciled Jew and Gentile to Himself in one body. Mm. Mm -hmm. But you get that from Ephesians. There's one body. It's the church. All men are reconciled to the one God in the one church. I mean, that's just, yeah. it's not like there's some doo-doo-doo-doo, but it's, it's just in the context, 
It's telling you about the unified God and the unified plan of God. Okay. So that's one. That's one of yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, and of course, we could think of the number three. And the number three, certainly, you know, we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in mm -hmm. different orders and manners and different passages. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, you know. Yeah. So you've got the three. Uh, that one is, you know, I, I had a hard time thinking of places where that one was super significant. Uh, we've got definitely four a few places. Mm -hmm. I was going to say on the three, so I've I've heard people jump to like the three temptations of Jesus and those, you know, the three rooster crows, and they'll go to those different yeah. things. But um, but those those books don't necessarily give any special significance to mm. that. So Ken, going to the significance comes from the context, not from the number itself. That is absolutely right. Okay. Okay. There are four living creatures. Mm. Are we talking Revelation creatures? Or? We're talking Ezekiel creatures Ezekiel. that flew around by the throne of God, which we meet again in the book of Revelation. Okay. And uh, the holy city, Jerusalem, is four square, you know. Great game to play on the playground. Yeah, yeah that's I got nothing to do with this. <laughs> there were the four horsemen in uh, Revelation 6, you know, mm -hmm. that had different uh, meanings there, but the context pretty well gives you the meaning and not really any significance. Uh, it, it may have some idea, you know, you have the four corners of the earth mm. in uh, Revelation 7 starts out. Uh, there seems to be sort of a every direction idea of the four. Yeah. But again, that, that comes from the context, and only if the context gives it some special meaning do you say, well, there's some particularly special thing about four. Yeah. So again, we're not trying to draw lines between those different instances of four. Right. So, like, we, other than the creatures appearing kind of in similar yeah. contexts and similar spaces, we're not going to then start trying to equate the four creatures with the four horsemen and the four corners. Not at all. And, not at all. Okay. Because nope. I think that's where some people will be going, okay, so what is the importance? And they're jumping into that sort of do-do-do-do sort of area. That's when they start going, okay, well, now we need to align modern people with each of those four because that symbolizes such and such and... No, okay. none of that as I can see. Now, there okay. are certain things in Scripture where there is some degree of symbolism in a number. Okay. Um, there is certainly in um, the Bible a, I don't know if you would call it symbolism, but a basic um, pervasive significance yeah. to the number 12. Okay. Uh, you know, it goes back as far as Genesis to the 12 sons of Jacob. Right. Who was then called Israel because he fought with God. Mm -hmm. And then those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, which are listed off numerous times in the Old Testament. Right. You know. And then, of course, Jesus chose the 12 apostles. Jesus yeah. called them one by one. You know. Andrew, James, and John. There yes. you go. Yeah. Then, um, you know, uh, on the high priests, you had 12 precious stones on the breastplate. Yeah. 
then you have six. They represented the tribes, didn't they? Represented the tribes, yeah. and you have six on this shoulder and six on this shoulder that mm-hmm. represented the tribes. And so, yeah. you know, the twelveness there in the Old Testament was all about God and his choice of Israel and everything about his plan from Jacob to making Israel his nation. Mm. All that was wrapped up in the, when you said 12, all that stuff came to mind. Yeah. And so do you think that on on that level, it's more about what the 12 represents than the number itself? Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Again, that's another example where the significance of the number, which speaks loudly in the Old Testament, comes from the story of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the context gives you the significance. Okay. But then Jesus goes ahead and chooses, you know, 12 apostles. Yeah. And in Matthew 19, 28, let's read that. Okay. Go there. Matthew 19, 28 says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth at the renewal of all things. When the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's a definite scriptural connection mm. between the 12 apostles, the 12 thrones, the 12 yeah, tribes the 12 of Israel. Tribes, yeah. So there seems to be a, an idea of the continuance of God's people mm. led now by these 12 apostles, 12 thrones, 12 tribes mm-hmm. coming over into the time of Jesus. And, and of course, Jesus says the 12 tribes of Israel. Right. And so um, certainly that number has significance. Now, when we go to Revelation, yeah, we are 12 all over the place, of course. Oh, yeah. We get seriously 12 in Revelation. That just sounds bad. Yeah, we get 12. <laughs> so in Revelation 4, okay. in the throne room scene, um, you have at verse 4, read there for us. It says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, and they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold in their he- on their heads. All right, so somebody, that's not 12, that's 24, but hang on for just a minute, because uh-huh. 12 is 224. But anyway, uh-huh. we have the 24 elders all through the book of Revelation. Yeah. And then if you go over to chapter 7 okay. and verse 3, read 3 and 4 there. It says, this is Revelation 7, 3, and 4. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from the tribes of Israel. All right, notice the ones that are being sealed are called in verse 3, the servants of our God. Mm-hmm. See, they're God's people. Yeah. How many of them are there? 144,000. Well, that's not 12, but look. When I was in the kid and I was in school and I learned my twelvetums, uh-huh. twelvetums twelve is what, uh-huh. one hundred and forty-four. Uh-huh. So you can't get any more twelvey <laughs> than one hundred and forty-four. But it's here's a, a weird thing: when you look at chapter seven, verses five through uh, eight, five through eight, yeah. you see the listing of the tribes. Each of those twelve tribes. Yeah, but look at the first one listed. What What's the first tribe listed? It says the tribe of Judah. And you won't find a single list of the tribes in the Old Testament that starts with the tribe of Judah. Because he ain't the oldest. But Yeah, yeah Reuben <laughs> is. They all begin with Reuben. Yeah. But um, Jesus is called, in chapter 5, the Lion of Judah. Mm-hmm. 
and and Jesus said in you know 1928 of Matthew that his apostles were going to be ruling the 12 tribes so mm -hmm. the people of Jesus are the spiritual Israel but notice yeah. also and I'm offended by this there's no tribe of Dan listed here mm. and so that's weird because he always is in the yeah. tribes in the Old Testament he's one of the sons so there's something weird in the neighborhood here and <laughs> when you look at, for example, the, the numberings of the tribes in Numbers chapter 1 and Numbers chapter 26, you'll have 76,500 in this tribe and 48,600 in this tribe and 52,900 in this tribe. Mm -hmm. And they're all different numbers, but oh, what's yeah. strange about the number of all these? Every one of them is numbered 12,000. 12,000, 12,000, uh -huh. 12,000. Over and over. See, we're being 12 and, and being 12 means that this is God's people and God's things. That's yeah. clearly in the significance. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go over to chapter 12, which we're not even going to think about that because there were no chapters <laughs> were no in chapters. the original Bible. Yeah. But if you'll read chapter 12, verse 1. It says, A great and wondrous sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of... 12 stars on her head. Okay, so if you read the book of Revelation and, and there is definitely a connection between all the 12s, you know right away that this woman belongs to who? To Christ, to God. That's right, yeah. because she's got 12 stars yeah. on her head. And then, um, <coughs> so that's, that's very important. And of course, she's the one that gives birth to the child mm -hmm. who's going to rule the nations. And then she's also the one that after the child Christ is caught up to heaven, the dragon persecutes this woman, mm -hmm. see? And uh, her, her children are said to be those that keep God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus in 1217. Right. All right, so let's look at chapter 21, okay. chapter 21. And we're looking at verse 10. Read a little ways there. Verse 10 says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as a crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. So see all the connections yeah. between these things going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. And we're not having to put you know red string on a wall to figure this out. No, it's just from what we read yeah. throughout the Bible. See, okay. twelve tribes, uh, Jesus's people the 12 apostles, mm -hmm. keep going in 14. It says the wall of the city had 12 foundations. Oh, look at that. And on them were the name of the nations, or sorry, and on them were the name of the 12 apostles now, notice, of the Lamb. Notice the connection again between the 12 mm -hmm. apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. So this is not an artificial connection. Right. But it's a connection made by Jesus, Matthew 19. It's a connection that's made repeatedly here in the book of Revelation. Yeah. It arises from the story of God's people. Again, it's that uh, it's the significant or a thematic element. It's, it's it's the shorthand for all of this other history. That is exactly right. That's okay. different than numerology. Gotcha. It's arising from the Bible story. Okay. Look at verse 16. 16 says... 
the city was laid out like a square as long as it is wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. All right, and some of you out there have versions that try to put that measurement in modern-day measurement, mm -hmm. and they mess it up because they get rid of the 12, which mm -hmm. is obviously important to the writer of the book of yeah. Revelation. So I appreciate the NIV of 1984 for, for doing this. It kept the 12. Look at verse 17. He says he measured its walls, and it was 144. Uh-oh. Uh, there's the number again. Now, see, does that help me think that the 144,000 and the 144 here might be buddies, like holding hands or something? Probably. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. See, and it all arises from the story. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, drop down to 21, we can yeah. run this into the ground. Yeah, 12 gates with 12 pearls, each made with a single pearl and keep going from all yeah, the descriptions so, there. So obviously, uh, one more, just so we won't um, <laughs> uh, miss something important. In the description of the river of life flowing down through the street of the city, chapter 22, verse 2. Mm -hmm. It says, Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. All right. And if you cross-reference Ezekiel 47, verse 12, you'll find the same thing in the Old mm -hmm. Testament. Mm -hmm. So, again, in this situation, the, the number 12 has extreme significance as an identifier of God's people and God's things as per the entire history of the Bible. Yeah. And... Um, we, we don't want to go too long, but one more real quickly. I was going to say, there's probably one number that everyone's going, why haven't they talked about that one yet? The number seven? I think so. <laughs> the number seven. Okay, so in the book of Revelation particularly, and uh, we could talk about this in other places, but in the book of Revelation particularly, structurally the book is divided up into the, uh, the letters to the seven churches, mm -hmm. and then you've got... Um, the seven uh, um, in chapter six, the seven seals. Right. And then you have the seven trumpets in chapters eight and nine. And then in 15, 16, you have the seven vials or bowls of wrath that are poured out. Mm -hmm. And those are kind of structural dividers of sevens. Yeah. But um, go to chapter five, for example. Okay. By the way, the seven churches of Asia. You know, when you look at all the sevens in in Revelation, they seem to say something about completeness or perfection. Mm -hmm. And so seven churches. Now, since it's in Revelation, mm -hmm. and we have lots of sevens, and they have significance as seven, Sure. does that literally mean that it was just those seven churches, or does it mean all of the churches in Asia? See, mm. I know it lists them, but... Still, you have that seven. Yeah. Look at Revelation chapter five. Okay. Go down to about verse four or five where he introduces the lamb. Uh, I wept and wept. Yeah. It's right uh, there. Verse five, the one of the elders said, do not weep. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's start at verse five. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. 
Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits, the seven spirits. All right, so in, in, in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Daniel and in other places, this would take a long time, but horns <laughs> have a significance of power. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the book of Daniel, in chapters 8 and 9, you've got the conflict between um, the Grecian Empire and the Persian Empire, and these are two beasts that have horns, and one beast breaks the horns of the others and destroys his power. And, you know, throughout, horns represent power. So the, the, the lamb has seven horns, which mm -hmm. makes no sense because we usually think of lambs as real docile, you know, and everything. Yeah. But here's a lamb that has seven horns, which is all power, hmm. complete power. Okay. And he has seven eyes. Yeah. And if you have seven eyes then you see everything. Yeah. See, you've got complete sight of everything. So whereas when we were talking about 12, we were referencing back to these are God's people. Yep. Seven is going to be that representation of complete perfect, perfection. You know, that yeah, sort of and idea. you derive that from the way it's used in different places, especially like in Revelation mm. and in apocalyptic literature. But if, if we had time to go through all the, all the references... You know, seven has the idea of completeness. Mm -hmm. And it's weird that while the beast, who's the opponent of the lamb, has seven heads, he's got ten horns. T-E-N, mm -hmm. not T-I-N. Yeah. And ten doesn't have the same significance as seven does. Mm. See? Okay. He's got a lot of horns, but he doesn't have seven, seven <laughs> horns. See? So is that a theme? Like you said, if we went through every reference, it would take... A long time sort of thing yeah but does it go all the way back to we have the seven days of creation like does it start there and um, carry forward or is that that example of where there are lots of sevens like you're talking about seven days of creation the seventh day sabbath day but not in the same way as the twelves the seven seems to it, it may carry over into that because it was the complete creation and all that stuff but um particularly in Revelation and in the apocalyptic literature, seven has the idea of completeness, which brings us to one more. We got two more real quick. Okay. The three and a half. <laughs> not one I would have had on my list. Yeah. Is that not your favorite number? 3.5. Okay. But yeah. three and a half derives its significance from seven. Okay. Because if you go to Daniel 7.25, which prophesies about the great persecution under the Roman Empire, which we read about in the book of Revelation. Might help if See? I get in the right section of prophets here. Daniel is 7, Ezekiel, right? Daniel. I don't know, I know. Daniel chapter 7. That's what happens when you're in a different Bible than usual. Everything yeah, right. feels different. All right, yeah. Daniel, which chapter? Daniel 7, <laughs> verse Daniel 25. 25. It says... He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over him for a time, times, and half a time. See, a time, mm -hmm. times, and half a time. That's <laughs> three and a half. Okay. Now, three and a half is only significant because it's only half of seven. So it's not complete. Okay. It's an incomplete period of time. But when you get to... Um, 
there's also a reference to the time times and half a time when the power of the holy people is broken in Daniel chapter 12. Okay. We won't read that one right now. But in, in the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. you have a period of time that's built off of this three and a half, and it's presented in three ways. Okay. It's a time, times, and half a time. Right. That's three and a half. Gotcha. Or it's 42 months. Divide okay. that by 12. Yeah. Or it's 1,260 days. Divide that by 30. Good so if, if you have 1,260 days and divide it by 30, you get 42 months. Mm-hmm. If you have 42 months and you divide it by 12, you get three and a half. Yeah. See? So... So it's different numbers, but they all boil down to the same thing. Those are three different ways of presenting the same number, and those numbers, which are all the three and a half yeah. in different forms, they represent the, the time when God's people under the Roman Empire were being persecuted as foretold in the book of Daniel, a time, times, and half a time. Okay. See? But again, they, it derives its significance from the context. Yeah. So don't go... Even with all of that, some especially those of you who aren't like math-inclined people are just going, ah, that was too much. But don't go trying to find three and a half in all the random spots in the Bible. No. It's when it's specifically stated in the context to tell you exactly what that right. number meant. Right. There's no okay. like mysterious significance just to the word three and a half. Yeah. Okay. Then one more and we're, we're out of here. Okay. All right. Revelation 13. This is everybody's favorite. Oh, I bet I know what this one is. Revelation 13. Yep, I see it. <laughs> and I want you to go down to verse 17 and 18. Okay. So that no one could buy or sell, <laughs> sorry, unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. All right. Now, the the number 666 also derives its significance from 7. Because 7, see, is the complete and perfect number. Right. But this, as, as most translations translate it, is a man's number. Mm. So what were they doing with the beast? The beast was commanding that people do what with him? They're supposed to worship him. Worship him. Yeah. But he's not God, which would be seven, seven, Mm. seven. This is just a man's number, six, six, six. And so the only significance to that is he's just a man. Don't worship him. He's not God. That's it. That's all of it that's there. Yeah. So it's kind of a, could you say it's a close but no cigar type number? Exactly. Like it's not tied to it. It's not part of it. It's not He's half imperfect. of it. It's just. But it tells you in the verse, it's yeah. the number of a man. That's mm. where you get the significance. It's a man's number. And if you read the whole chapter, the beast was commanding that people worship him as a as God. You right. Know? right. And if people didn't worship him, they couldn't do this. But here's wisdom, people. His number is just six. It's just Mm. the number of a man. And repeated in Revelation are the two short words that encapsulate the theme. Worship God. Mm. See, in in the last chapter of Revelation, the angel falls down, or John falls down to worship the angel. And he says, don't do that. Don't do it. I'm 
I'm, I'm just a created being. Worship God. So in this sort of, and especially with this number, we shouldn't like walk past that number and get like tingles down our spine and we're super worried and you know it's like in all the scary movies something crazy is going to burst out of the door or something it, and you could yeah. have like on your blazing forehead like six yeah. six and you, ah. no that's not what it that's is that's not what that is no. so it's not a significant number in every time you see this it's going to represent the devil and all of his you know minions and whatever he tells you in the verse it is the number of a man meaning don't worship him. That's it. That's, That's all there it. is there. Okay. So, yeah, it, numbers are, it's it's funny. Some people have no time for this. They're like, whatever. But then other people can really fall down some rabbit holes. Yeah, Jed. One is the loneliest <laughs> number that you'll ever do. Two we, can we be, be as careful. bad as one. Because we might get like a copyright infringement. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to mess with that. And with that, folks... I get, yeah, so there are numbers of significance, but let the Bible tell you what the significance is. Yeah, and, and most of them are pretty much explained by the context of the Bible. Okay. Well, we hope that that answered your question. Thanks for sending that one in, and we've got lots of others we're going to be working through. And as always, comments, questions, we appreciate all the follow-up from these things. Let us know where you're listening from. It's always great to know kind of how far and wide these things spread. So thanks again, Dan. And thank you for sharing your favorite number, Jed, which was the number 13. That's what this episode has been brought to you by. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.